You're listening to highlights from the Creative Processes interview with Sonnet LeBay. This podcast is supported by the Yan Michalski Foundation. The project itself came out of thinking about er- the form of erasure, what working in that form could do and, and mean. And at the time, there were conversations about appropriative poetics, where there were specific instances of pretty shady power dynamics around certain poets taking certain texts and, and presenting them as their own and saying, this is this is just an appropriative poetics move, or I'm using the text simply as material and putting my name on it. So those appropriative poetics conversations happening, and then people doing erasure poetries by blocking out and deleting were really interesting to me. And I was looking at critical writing about it, and I couldn't find anything that talked about the role of the poet who was doing that as sensorial or as somehow violencing the original text. All of the critical writing was was quite supportive of using the text as basically like marble that you were carving or something like that, just taking the poet's role as very creative, even though they were in effect, destroying an original text. So with all of that, I was thinking, you know, my resonance with the word erasure and me thinking about censoring and deleting what somebody else has already said resonates with me as an analogy for being Black, being mixed race, being racialized and non-European in spaces that are predominantly Anglo-Canadian. And in rooms where, classrooms where, playgrounds where, churches where, malls where, certain signifiers of difference would make fitting in harder. One tries very hard, at least I think I did. You can put it that way for what I did as a child, as a teenager, to just try to fit in and make my visible difference as minimal, as invisible as possible. So it's a way of thinking about erasing the self. And so I took that theme and thought, how do I show through a poetic erasure, this dynamic of self erasure and feeling erased? It doesn't have to involve physical violence for you to censor yourself or to stop speaking certain things. So the idea to surround a text and to take an original text that would be like the voice of whoever and embody that force that overwhelms a voice and silences it without without removing it from the space, letting it be in the space, but effectively um, muting its voice. And if you if you were called on it, you could say, but it's still right there. It gave me the idea to overwhelm Shakespeare's text instead of just scratch at it or like delete parts of it. So it feels like entering the space of whatever cultural space that Shakespeare occupies is the space that I'm trying to have dialogue with and be inside. So for me, I mean, in some ways, Hamlet might have been the ideal text to overwhelm if I really wanted to, to like be at the center space of maybe where Shakespearean consciousness is in the English speaking world if that's more 
famous and influential than, than the sonnets. But because my name is Sonnet and my parents gave me that name, my dad's name is Jason and my mom's name is Janet. So they took S-O-N from Jason and N-E-T from Janet, made Sonnet. Because of that relationship, my Shakespeare urtext really is the sonnets of Shakespeare, which I read when I was young, specifically because of my name. And also it's his poems rather than um, as a poet, like I'm working with his poems rather than trying to deal with a play. There's a way in which Shakespeare gets centered by this work anyway, and then re-inscribed. And I knew that would happen when I wrote it. I mean, you mentioned a certain kind of freedom when sitting down to write and asking about originality and perhaps that constraint of working with someone else's work provided a bunch of freedom. I'm actually feel a little bit more scared now or aware when I don't have someone else to respond to when I'm creating new work. And then as far as dismantling, I've been asked like, oh, is your process analogous to breaking apart the text or is the fragmentation the message? And that's a dimension that really works for me, but it's not the entire thing. Like, I think that the process can be interpreted or can be responded to in many ways. I guess as far as the quote unquote literary canon goes, I'm just very interested in de-heroizing folks that, that the writers of Western American or Western Anglo tradition are held up like gods, certain contexts and educational contexts, like that they are untouchable as opposed to they were just some guy from that time who had access to publishing at that time and had those, those skills. Like we have writers now who are able to be published and who get their work into the main stream and are publicized widely and will probably be read for years and years and years. And it's not all about their literary genius. Just because someone manages to be the most visible, the most enduring even, does not necessarily translate only to their abstract literary merit. And I feel like that's a way to de-escalate the hero worship around the writing that we're studying and give more space, therefore, to an approach that takes power and connection and money into consideration so that asking questions about Black women's voices, asking questions about trade, asking questions about contact with, you know, South Asian ways of thinking or, or like Quranic texts or whatever, that those questions become not tangential. They're not marginal to some pure discussion of what Shakespeare is or what Wordsworth is. I think that being a poet, taking poetry seriously is something that pretty regularly, I have to ask myself, what am I even doing? Like, what is art? Kind of big question, because I have to teach it and, and do it. But ultimately, I think every poet who's really 
taking the craft seriously, it has to come to their own understanding of why it is that they decide to put something into words. Like, what is that impulse to speak? And then what is it that your spirit or your soul chooses and decides gets translated into this heightened speech? And then what even is the whole dimension of sharing that? While writing Sonnet Shakespeare, those questions did come up because it was such a long project. I'm like, what am I doing? Am I just trying to be an activist? Am I just trying to tell my story? Is that what I'm doing? If so, why the whole the the whole overwriting thing? But I've explained that. Like those, there's some intellectual reasons for choosing certain forms, but the impulse to speak in an elevated, stylized voice has been compared to singing. The relationship of poetry and song, poetry and ode, poetry and like bardic incantation, those relationships are deeply spiritual and communal, like the things that we sing. So there are places in the book where I'm like, is this, is this therapy? Am I just, am I just doing writing therapy? And another place in the book talks about it as a percussive practice almost like massage, like getting stuff out. And then there's another poem that talks about the work as a yoga and thinking of poetry as a way of being very, very intentional about breath, that language is something that we share with each other through the breath first, and that poetry is acknowledging that and being very intentional about that and then creating these documents of the most intentional breathing. So I think from that, the risk for me is of coming off the page and trying to do this very intentional sounding and breathing in real time without the page there to hand off. And the text becomes not just the sound, but my body in real time that is doing the communicating. And that is so much more vulnerable. I think that the connection of people's minds and hearts, like their language system, what they say and what comes out of their mouth. I believe in staying connected to how one genuinely feels. And like, it'll just sound like biblical and parental to be like, don't lie. but For me, I mean, if you'd caught me on another day or before I was thinking so much about body stuff, I would have said that my poetics were about deeply probing honesty or like trying to live on the page in the most honest way that I could over and over again. What does it mean to be as deeply honest as I possibly can? And when I think of what art can do and the arts, the artists that I admire and the artists that that I love. They, they bring us into this place of showing negative energies and positive energies, e- evil and good, the, the fullness of human experience. And they ch- show it in a way that we register as somehow emotionally honest, right? Or like resonant with a way of seeing the world that allows us to understand justice or understand our desires for love or understand how it is that we connect in meaningful and satisfying ways. 
So for me, the arts are about maintaining that connection to our genuine needs in the face of increasing pressures to devalue our own feelings and our own softnesses. We hope you've enjoyed listening to these highlights. To listen to the latest episodes or learn more about participating in exhibitions or interviews, click on subscribe. Thank you for listening.